Welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. Today, we are so, so excited to get to interview Brian Beacock, the voice of Monokuma. We have a bunch of fun questions for him today, and we are so excited to get started. Also, for all you listeners out there, this will be a spoiler-free episode. So without further ado, I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. I'm Caroline. And I'm Monokuma! <laughs> And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One, two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumba podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. All right. Well, welcome again. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And so, of course, you know, we got to start off with a question about how you got into voice acting, Brian. Yes. You got into the story. So, yeah. So I was, I've been an actor since I was, you know, a tiny little boy. And uh, when I got to LA from San Francisco, where I'm from, I started doing a lot of theater. And I was also working at Universal Studios in the Beetlejuice's Graveyard Rock and Review as Phantom of the Opera. And at the time, a friend of mine, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who you guys may know as a great actor and director, uh, she was directing Digimon at the time. And I was doing a play called Fully Committed, where I played, uh, I think it was 38 different characters. It was a one-man show, and I played all those characters. Uh, no costumes, nothing like that. It was just all voice and, and facial expressions. So she saw the show, and um, she asked me to come in to audition for Digimon which I had never seen before. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't even seen Pokemon at the time. And so I went in and auditioned for the role of Takato. And I think three months after the audition, I got the call that I, that I booked the part. So that was the beginning of voiceover and anime for me. That's awesome. So that was like one of your first roles then? Yeah, I had actually done a, a feature film for Nickelodeon at the time called um, Globe Hunters or Around the World in 80 Days. I'm not sure what they called it, but that was original animation. And again, I played Trevor the Parrot who grew up watching television and did nothing but impersonate people. So I was already doing like a lot of voices and singing and stuff. So that was my first like voiceover gig, but it wasn't anime. So it wasn't dubbing. It wasn't syncing or anything like that. So I kind of cut my teeth on, on Digimon and uh, learned as I go, because I didn't know what I was doing. Very cool, very cool. Um, what were some of your favorite roles that you've had over the years? Well, I mean, I always say Takato only because he was my first, and also because, I mean, he was, the show was so well-written, and it was so well-directed and produced, and the music, and the story, and everything, so I, I was really lucky to have that be my, my intro to the world, because it was so well done, and he was really fun, and and he reminded me a lot of me. He was kind of like a nerd who kind of like found his power and his strength. Um, I'm still the nerd. I haven't found the power or the strength. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he was really great. And of course, Monokuma's insane because he gets to say all the things that you want to say um, and do maybe. I don't know. I don't know your life. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and it's gone back and forth because, you know, I started out playing a person. I was, I was Takato. And then season four, I got to play a Digimon. I got to play Bokemon, you know, Bokemon, keep it over the book. So that was cool. It was no longer a person. It was a Digimon. And then um, I played some other parts that I think were kind of high. Oh, I was Sakon and Ukon in, is that Naruto? Yeah. 
Yeah. So they were terrible. They were terrible because they were so hard to do. Like it, it was so hard on your voice, you know? Mm-hmm. So after that, I'm like, oh my God, I do. I want to do something nice and calm. So I got Yuma Chica. And of course his voice is so calm and collected and beautiful. So that was nice. And of course, you know, Monokuma is, is clearly one of my favorites. He's just misunderstood. Monokuma right. is just misunderstood. <laughs> but yeah, I've been lucky. A lot of fun characters. A lot of fun characters. Yeah, and a wide range, it sounds like, too. Yeah. Well, it's it's been almost 30 years I've been doing it, so. We were also curious about what some of your favorite fan experiences have been. Favorite or terrifying? That's an interesting question. <laughs> you could tell us both. about both. <laughs> we <We'd> be- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was in New Zealand, which was really fun. I got to go to a convention. I got to go to um, Armageddon in New Zealand twice, which was great. Um, and during one of the big like stadium talkback things whatever some girl said hey i have a question what did she say oh would you would you lick my arm <laughs> number one that's not a question um and number two you know of course no um so that, was a, <laughs> that was a weird fan experience i mean there's a bunch of weird things things that you're asked to sign and and you know i, I obviously draw the line had a lot of people, because I've been doing this for so long, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, I grew up watching you or, and they're, they're probably in their thirties, maybe later than that, whatever. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm very old, but it's really cool how you can touch a lot of people's lives. You know, some of these kids came home from school and were watching Digimon or whatever else on, on reruns or the, the internet or whatever. So a lot of kids in London have been amazing kids in New Zealand. I mean, all over the country, but uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people where it really means something to them. And a lot of people that watch anime or do cosplay or whatever, you know, what used to be this fringe world that people live in was an escapism for a lot of kids. And it really was a protection and a place where people could find um, their kind and people that understood them. And it's just nice to see people kind of like coming into their own and getting power from that and strength from that and, you know, fighting the bullies and, and just and having a great time. So it's more than just doing voices, obviously. It's a different kind of world that's growing and getting stronger that I'm really honored to be a part of. That is really, wow, I love that. And kind of like, actually kind of stepping off that because I'm an actor, so I, I know the vibe. I know, I know what's going on. Um, <laughs> like, I've noticed that you've done like film, stage, and voiceover. And I was just kind of wondering like what you like about all of the mediums or what you found for yourself is kind of different um, in your performance styles for all of those um, different experiences. That's a great question. Um, so I started with theater, obviously, which is a great training ground for, for all of it. Um, especially for voiceover. If you're on a stage and you're trying to project and your diction, enunciation, all that stuff, you know, you really, you really can cut your teeth uh, on that. And then for theater and film, of course, you know, everything is smaller for the most part. I'm actually doing a Zoom play of a play that I did two years ago on stage, and now we're doing it in this little box. So the comedy is you know, how, I, I did it in this big theater. So now how I, how do I do it for a, someone watching it on their laptop or their phone or whatever? So it's funny. If I do a lot of anime, I want to do a play. And if I do a lot of theater, I want to do television. But theater basically has helped me in every aspect of show business. And also being a singer and being a musician. Hugely important for voiceover. Absolutely. We, first of all, we sing all the time. 
but like if the director or the engineer says, oh, you know, we had a, we had a pop on the mic or whatever, can you do what you just did? And they'll play it back for you. You really have to be able to, to parrot yourself and to hear exactly what you did. And that's, that's all music. That's all rhythm. You know, I play drums or whatever. So um, yeah, being a musician has helped everything. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to ask, what is your Zoom play that you're in right now? <laughs> oh, it's really funny. So it's a three-person play. It's called Slow Food, which really describes the play because the food barely gets there. I play Stephen the Waiter. He's a terrible waiter. And uh, we did it at Mary Mac Repertory Theater in, in uh, Boston, actually in Lowell, Massachusetts, two years ago. And now it's being presented by um, Arizona Theater Company. What's weird, though, is because we're having the boxes set up like in a Zoom meeting but I guess we're recording it and then they're placing them a different way. So I, as the waiter will be at the center and the two actors will be below me, like if a, if a waiter was standing at a table. So to talk to the gentleman, I have to look down in my lower corner, my lower left corner to talk to the lady, lower right corner. So in doing this hour and a half play, you can never look at your monitor. So all I'm doing is hearing the other actors in my ear and looking off to the side of my laptop. And there's, I mean, there's props, there's glasses, there's food, there's, it's, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So that's what I did all day today. If I seem a little frantic. <laughs> I love it. That's so creative. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, Sean Daniels is the director. Wendy McLeod, who wrote uh, the play and movie, The House of Yes, starring Parker Posey. She wrote this play. So I'm really excited. Yeah, that's super cool. And I, I agree with you, Marin. It's very creative. It's interesting to see how people are taking this whole like pandemic situation and just transforming it into like, okay, how can we do this in a completely new way? Because I don't think I would have ever thought of doing something like that, like a Zoom play, you know, it's just so interesting. It's really interesting. And, you know, as much as I like it, and I'm, and much as I'm grateful for it, I, I, I don't really want to see this be the wave of the future. I kind of want to right. go back to what we were doing. Um, I would just watched a, a movie a couple nights ago on Shudder called Host, which is a Zoom seance with five or six friends and, and the seance person with the medium. And it's, it's kind of like a Cloverfield kind of like horror film all done on Zoom, you know, with all the tropes of what happens on Zoom and people getting muted and kicked off and stuff. It's really interesting. But it's, as you say, like people kind of taking advantage of where we are and how do we, uh, how do we flourish from that? So it's cool. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I don't, I think whatever we can do to get back to having people in a live theater, I don't think anything beats that. I know. Um, yeah. I know. Yeah. But um, we are also curious what it is like being a, uh, not only an actor, but a creator, writer, and executive producer for your Emmy award winning show, Acting Dead. Thank you. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> um, little plug there. Yeah. You, you guys can all see it, but of course the listening audience can't, but there's the Emmy right back there. <laughs> That's awesome. I always have it in my, in my Zoom meeting, you know. I put it in the front seat when I, when I drive for Uber, you know. Um, it's great, you know. So I, uh, I got to the point maybe like six or seven years ago where... I was doing still a lot of voiceovers, but a lot of TV and film stuff wasn't necessarily happening. And uh, through the web series world in LA and across the country, I met some people and I thought, I wanna do another show, but I wanna film it and shoot it like a TV show. A whole month of filming, uh, we'll block shoot it, big locations, big cast, et cetera. And I thought, well, what's the most, what's the easiest thing that people are gonna uh, 
um, lock onto right now. And it was zombies. It's still zombies. It will always be zombies. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of built that into the show. You know, the show is about how zombies are basically taking over not only the entertainment industry, industry but, you know, birthday parties and, and brisses and weddings and fashion shows, et cetera. They're everywhere. And um, I created this show called Acting Dead, where um, they they turn terrible actors into zombies so they're more likely to get cast as zombies in shows like The Walking Dead, like as a walk-on or whatever. So you, uh, you kind of you know, give your life away and turn into a zombie just for your art. And uh, we did the show. It did really well. And by the time we finished, it was around the time that the TV Academy, the Television Academy, had opened up their categories for um, what they call short form uh, content. And we entered and my actress, Patrika Darbo, who if you Google her, she's been on a million things, soap operas and movies. And uh, she got nominated for best actress in a comedy. And uh, I got to go to the Emmys. I got to take my mom to the Emmys, which was a thrill, so exciting. And Ryan Seacrest called out my actress's name, Patrika Darbo, and up she went and got the Emmy. So it was, it was a really, really crazy night. I will say that having an Emmy doesn't get you a season two. Uh, it's a slog. It really is. You know, it, it takes a lot of money. And I mean, we had a hundred people in our cast and crew. Um, of course, Debbie Gibson's in it and um, all, all, all kinds of people that you know from TV and soap operas and stuff. But uh, we're still working on trying to get the money for season two. Cause I've got some really amazing ideas for what's going to happen in the story. But uh yeah. It's nice. It's it's a nice thing to have. It's a nice thing to like really take from concept to reality to completion. You know, the Emmy. It's on it's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. And um, and I'm really proud of it. I'm proud of the work that we did and the amazing people that that made it happen. Absolutely. I mean, we were looking into it and like the cast is just star studded and like yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's crazy. I had, I mean, they kept coming. Um, Wayne Brady was supposed to be in it. I know Wayne Brady from Universal. Um, he was supposed to do it, but he was busy. And um, a couple other, a couple other people were were on board. They couldn't, got sick, etc. But the people that we got, I mean, really, really cool. Carolyn Hennessy and uh, just awesome. Yeah. Also, the idea, <laughs> the in general idea is just <laughs> lovely. Love it's, it. It's so wacky, right? Yeah. It's so wacky. It's great. Just yeah. wacky uh, enough for it works. <laughs> it's so right. good. Oh my god! I just the season two is so cool. It just takes everything and like smashes it up and turns it upside down and flips it. And you're like, what was I? What was I? What have I been watching? <laughs> it's really great. It's really great. So it has to happen. That's right. Yeah. Send money. Send money. <laughs> Send money, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, listeners, check out Acting Dead because it really sounds amazing. So we were curious um, about, so you've played Monokuma in pretty much all four Danganronpa games. And Correct. we wanted to know, has your portrayal of him changed or like evolved at all in any way throughout that process? I don't know. I mean, it's so funny, you know, that the time between games can be a long time. And to be honest, I have not played the game, which is, and I really want to play it, um, but I don't, I don't own a gaming system. I've never owned a gaming system. Well, that's a lie. I owned Atari. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I owned. Um, because, I, I mean, I watched like 97 
hours of television a day. So if I got a gaming system, that would be it. It would be pizza boxes and cans of frosting and video games. That's it. Anyway, you, when you go like months, six months, maybe even longer between shows, between games, it's hard to really recall um, what happened. And you're really relying on the producers, the directors, um, some references and stuff like that to bring you back to where you are. And also you have the parameters and the restraints of what's the text? What is, what is Monokuma going to say? What are the, what are the Monocubs going to say here? So um, I will say that in the first game, you do go through kind of like the learning curve of finding his voice and finding his happy moments. And then when he kind of like turns the dial in and they become evil um, and really, really, really aggressive and then bright. So that's kind of what takes more time almost with every game, but especially in the first one when we were trying to establish how I'm going to play Monokuma versus how it was originally done in, in Japan. So, All right, we are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you also in V3 played Monosuke as well as Monokuma. And so how was that different from Monokuma? Did you, did you like one more than the other? How was that process different kind of playing two, two different characters at the same time? Two yeah. teddy bears. <laughs> right, right. Typically, depending on what day that we're filming or that we're recording, I like whatever voice is lower. <laughs> Right? That's I mean, fair. Yeah. fair Come, on. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Now, I think I actually, I think I had to do Trump, right? There's a, there's a bear that sounds like Trump, I think. Yes. So that, that was a little hard because I don't, I don't do that voice. So we kind of like had to figure it out and I can't remember. I think it sounded okay, but I can't remember. So that was, a, that was a little, uh, a little difficult. That's when I was doing the Monocubs. But yeah, I mean, Monokuma, I can, at this point, I can just kind of fall into. It's, it's kind of easy. So anything that's not Monokuma during the session is a little bit more difficult only because we're finding it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where's the humor? Where's the tension or whatever? And what does the voice sound like? And is it not too close to being what Monokuma sounds like? Right. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I had no idea until I think about two days ago. I had no idea you voiced Monosuke as well as Monokuma. <laughs> I will say, I was so surprised. So you definitely distinguished them very well there because I would not have known. Yeah. Um, and we were also like, I, I'm a little curious, like how do you as an actor get into the mindset of a demonic teddy bear? Brian, I need to know. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I live there. <laughs> that is, that is my mindset. Um, I don't know. I mean, the sessions, especially, oh my God, the last game, we were just laughing so hard because 
I think there was stuff that they didn't put in the game, if you can imagine, like stuff that was even more terrible and more offensive. Um, so kind of like once you you get into it, like a half an hour has gone by and, and you're saying all these lines and stuff, it's just, you just riff, like it just keeps going and going and you're laughing. And I think when you start the session, it starts out more of a, a being a technical issue. You know, um, am I am I popping on the microphone? Am I, you know... Um, distorting etc and then once you get that sweet spot of what sounds right then you just kind of like get into it and as you can see the people at home can't see but i use my hands all the time i use my body like quite often i hit the mic because i'm you know acting so my hand <laughs> is like um, but definitely he's a very physical character for me to play you know to get the voice up there to push in the diaphragm and, and then to do the humor and stuff and that also comes from being on stage you're kind of you're not just acting it with your voice you're acting it with your body you're just hearing the voice so you mentioned that you haven't um, played or seen any of the game material but we were curious what your opinion of monokuma was just based on the lines that you had to record <laughs> <laughs> oh my opinion of monokuma well i mean if you want to go to like the the traditional standard actor actor answer it is you have to love your character even if they're a serial killer or whatever, like <laughs> you have to find, you have to find something about your character to love. Now, I don't know what that is with Monokuma. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think his sense of humor is funny if, or maybe when they ever made this into a live action, wouldn't that be interesting? That would be interesting. I mean, it's definitely a movie. It's a kind of horror thing or a horror scenario or whatever that I'm drawn to. Like I definitely like, I love the blood and guts. I, I see every single horror film there is, but when you add that bit of comedy or, or dark comedy or satire or sar sarcasm, that's totally my jam. So this fits totally in my wheelhouse. I am very curious. Something just occurred to me. I'm very curious. Have you seen any of the artwork for like Monokuma's beta design? No. It's <laughs> actually terrifying. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like um, this little, like his beta design was that he was going to be this little like person and half of him like split down the middle is like a normal person. And half of him is like, you see like all the like guts and like body parts of like, it, like it's like a medical doll or something. It's so Whoa. creepy. And they like had to tone it down because they, um, the like beta version of the game was going to be so much darker. And then they had to seriously tone it down because they wanted to like appeal to a wider audience but it's, it was just like crazy when I, when I saw that for the first time. Yeah, I was like, wow. That's so interesting too, because isn't, isn't Monokuma in, I don't know what game, like dis discovered to be um, operated, it's a robot, right? So yes, I wonder yeah. how that would, it would have to be like one of those, uh, like a, a robot that still had like human form and, and guts and all that stuff, but still, you know, digitally whatever controlled. But yeah, right. yeah I don't so know. So it wouldn't be all but... wires and stuff. It would be blood and guts and bones <laughs> worse yeah. it would be wow. worse very, very wow. disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> hold on I, I gotta write down my halloween costume <laughs> oh my goodness that would be <laughs> loved by the dog like, and rumpa community right. <laughs> what are you trying to be brian b Gark? <laughs> i'm beta monokuma god you guys literally <laughs> no i love that <laughs> That is beautiful. And okay, so I was also curious when you ever you auditioned for the role or were offered it, which you could also answer that, but I was curious how much you knew about 
Monokuma's like role in the actual game itself? Yeah, it's a great question and that happens all the time. So it's it does happen, but it is more on the rare side that that we're that I'm offered a role. It does happen, I get really excited. I doubt that I can't even remember, but I doubt that any of the offers have happened for large roles like Monokuma. You know, it's usually like a one-off or a, a co-star with a small arc in the show, often the show that I'm already in. So I do remember that I had to audition for Monokuma and I had to send in a tape from home. My neighbors were very excited that night when I did that audition in my closet. Um, <laughs> um, and I think they had a reference for me from the original voice. So, and they were, as I re remember, they were like, we are trying to stay close to the tone and the range of this, of the Monokuma. So basically I needed to be like an, an bar not baritone, a, a tenor, tenor alto bordering on soprano in the, in the range and then really fluctuate and have a lot of um, dips and valleys and stuff when he got mad and all that stuff. So it was pretty involved, the audition alone, but I didn't know anything about the show. I had no idea. I think I knew at the time when I auditioned that it was gonna be a game uh, and I didn't know how many existed before. And of course, we don't always know how many are gonna come beyond that. But uh, when I got the job and after the first session, I'm like, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? Cause I gotta do this voice all week. <laughs> but, uh, and again and again, but now I want them to do another one. We do too. Game, so. so do right? we. Oh yeah. my god! I want yeah. more. I want more punishment time. Oh my god! Oh my I god. love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I should I should have let my neighbors know that I was doing a podcast. That's okay. They're, they're used to screaming. They're used to screams coming from the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine as a voice actor, especially if you're now doing any work from home, it probably gets interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I've done I've done stuff in hotels and like there's a knock at the door like uh, excuse me sir are you okay <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just doing a session for bleach. What's wrong oh with you? My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And then so you mentioned earlier the um the Trump line that you had as Monokuma that one time, but we were curious about if you have any other like really memorable lines from Monokuma. I don't. I wish you'd asked me before. It's funny, I, I can't remember anything now, but I do remember in this last game a couple times that Wendy Lee and I were absolutely scream laughing with what I had to say. Like I would read down the page and like laugh out loud before I had to say it, but I can't remember what it was. I feel terrible. Not okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I will we say can... the Trump line made me like almost scream. Like, Do you remember what it was? Myself. It was, um, I, I think it was... Try and look it up. He was saying something about like, oh, and then someone came along who said he was gonna make the country great again or whatever. Like oh, it, it was something oh, like that. That sounds familiar. Yeah, right. and I don't remember the context, right. but oh it was something god. like that. And I was like, oh my god, they yeah. really went there. <laughs> it was so funny, and it was and wasn't just the uh, the Monocubs that said some things, but but Monokuma too. And yeah. um yeah, sometimes in the break, like when they're setting up for the next line or whatever, because, you know, in a video game, you're just saying your lines down down the list. And I would read down just to make sure there weren't any pronunciation issues coming up that I had to ask about. <laughs> I would just like go, <laughs> you know, seeing things that were that were coming up. And, and then Wendy would get on the comms. She'd go, yep, you saw it. <laughs> it's happening. Um, I was going to say, Wendy Lee 
plays Mew in Mm -hmm. V3, right? Yeah, she has a lot of lines that are just like, oh, wow. (laughs) She's so funny. She's so funny. She's a great director, too. She's a great director, being that she's an actor as well. And and she and I have this really great shorthand. uh, And she directs in a really certain way instead of saying, like, slower. You could say something like slower. She'll just say something like, make sure you're thinking about what you want to happen. But just, it's just a way that she phrases things that she gets the exact right thing out of an actor without giving a line read or, or being so detailed as like, you know, faster, slower, you know? That's um, really cool. She's, yeah. I mean, a lot of them are that Mary Elizabeth, Tonya Oliver, like they're all, they're all brilliant that way because they're actors. Yeah. So they know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to say is that V3, I feel like, and I, you can also um, counter me on this, but I think I feel like V3 had more pop culture things going on in it. Yeah, it did. It definitely became, well, I mean, that's kind of like where we were going in the world too. Like TV was that way. Everything was kind of like grabbing on to archetypes of other things that we're seeing on TV and stuff. And And that's great. I think that's really fun, but I'm kind of really drawn to things that are funny on their own and stand alone because you know what 10 years we're gonna go back and go what the hell was that but (laughs) but you can look at I Love Lucy and still laugh out loud you know yeah some of those references we won't know what they're talking about you know who's Joe Rogan yeah yeah I don't even know if Joe Rogan was in it but I just think that he'll be he'll be gone soon yeah oh oh. (laughs) sorry Joe I don't know are you are you all friends with Joe Rogan um, I wish. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Okay, so second to last question we have for you is, what advice do you have for people who are interested in going into voice acting? Okay, uh, yeah, I get this one a lot, and I usually say the same thing. But um, first of all, your voice is an instrument, so if you're a smoker, try to stop. It's good to be in good shape. It's really, really good to take voice lessons, Uh, not just speech and diction, but singing. It'll really help. It'll strengthen your diaphragm. It'll teach you a lot of stuff uh, and a lot of uh, language and terminology that you'll maybe be hearing if you have a good director. And study acting. I mean, voice acting is acting. Take an acting class. Take an improv class. Oh my God. There's so many times when something's either underwritten or overwritten, or, you know, sometimes the director will say to you, well, what do you think? And especially for your auditions, you can sometimes pepper in a little more flavor to what's you know, not on the page. And the director will say, oh, this, this person's a thinker. You know, they're, they're funny. They've got stuff that they could just play all day. So improv will really help you with that. And, you know, I mean, make a demo. I, I've made a lot of demos at home. And especially you can do that now. It doesn't have to be expensive. You can get a, a Yeti mic from Best Buy and GarageBand, and it, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, but definitely start, you know, f- figuring out what you're good at, what voices you can do. Are you a mimic? Are you an original voice person? Um, kind of figure out where you fall in the world. Are you an anime actor? Are you uh, a commercial actor? You know, and if you are a commercial actor, what are you good at? Are you going to sell cars, or are you going to be um, the person that sells? activewear or food or the lady at the bank or you know the the young dad so all these things are a great way for you to figure out who you are so you know how to market yourself and push yourself and expand on from there once you're kind of in the world that's a lot to say no that's great advice (laughs) yeah 
All right, last but not least, um, are there any projects that you're working on that you'd like to promote to our listeners? Or, I mean, I know we talked about season two, but is there... Yes, yes. Yeah. season two of Acting Dead, of course. Um, and like I said, I am going to be working on Slow Food, which is part of Arizona Theater Company. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm working right now on Sword Art Online. I just did a session yesterday. It's getting really good. I think that's kind of it for now. I was supposed to be working on, oh God, I was supposed to be working on Dancing with the Stars. I was supposed to be working on American Idol, all kinds of like other jobs that I do. And those all, you know, got canceled. So um, they'll be coming back soon, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And to our listeners, make sure you check out all of his work. Stay in touch with Brian and just, uh, yeah, keep supporting him. Send him your money for season two. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jail. <laughs> You're going to get a flood in your mailbox of like letters with just cash. <laughs> yes, but thank you again for coming on our podcast. We had such a good time talking to you and yeah, it was it's so cool to meet Monokuma. <laughs> oh my god, it was awesome. Thanks you guys. It's punishment time. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our interview with Brian Beacock slash Monokuma. We had such a great time talking to him and we hope all of you listeners enjoyed this episode as well. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We are pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you are interested in hearing bonus content from our podcast and also the opportunity to unlock some cool perks like the possibility of joining a Discord server with us, consider becoming a patron. The lowest donation tier is just $2 per month, and the link to our Patreon is in the episode description. Anyway, that's a wrap for now. We'll see you next time.